back to the Work-Life Mindset Podcast. My name is Chris, and thanks so much for joining us again. Today, I want to dive into the concept uh, about dealing with our emotions. Uh, But again, this concept is more about name it to tame it. Um, I feel like I just, I really love that saying. It really forces us to be more aware of what we're going through and um, the greater concept of just language and nomenclature and how we, you know, use words to, you know, give meanings to what we're feeling and and sometimes how that can be difficult. The more specific feeling um, and then emotion that I kind of want to get into is this concept of uh, languishing. Um, I really like this. There have been some great articles that have come out recently, and they've really spoken to me because it really ties into, I feel like, what we're all going through in the pandemic. Um, A lot of this stems from the fact that, you know, even with vaccines on the horizon, a lot of us just aren't, well, I'm not me, but (laughs) I recognize a lot of my peers and people are just not very excited about this next year. Um, and it's not burnt out, you know, we're just, uh, there's still lots of energy and it's not depression. People don't necessarily feel helpless. Uh, you know, I've, I've noticed, and, and this does hit me at times, you just sometimes feel joyless and aimless. Um, and there is a name for that. It's called languishing. And languishing is really a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're kind of muddling through <laughs> your days, looking at your life through, I don't know, like a foggy lens, right? Uh, and I, I really do believe that this is probably going to be the dominant emotion of 2021, languishing. And, you know, there's so much work by some great scientists and doctors to kind of treat and cure all these physical symptoms of long-haul COVID. Uh, many people are also struggling with emotional long-haul of the pandemic. And it hit some of us un, unprepared for this intense fear and grief as, you know, this last year has kind of faded. Um, I think grief was an emotion that a lot of people were using um, to reflect kind of on the pandemic and what we're feeling. We can really connect with that because it's, you know, we've, we've all lost somebody or something. And that's a lot of what it felt. But grief, I do believe, tends, you know, we move past it. But yet here we still are. <laughs> and uh, I really like this term and concept and emotion of languishing. It really, really speaks to me. Um, you know, in the early part of the pandemic, it's it's likely that, you know, our brain's threat detection system or the amygdala, you know, was really on high alert for this fight or flight. And, um, you know, we probably developed routines that eased our sense of dread. Um, but again, the pandemic has really dragged on. And this kind of acute state of anguish has given way to a chronic condition of languish. In psychology, you know, we think about mental health on a whole spectrum, right? From um, feeling really good to feeling really bad. I like to use the states from a suffering state to a powerful state. And, um, you know, being in a powerful state is kind of like in your peak of well-being, Uh, You have a strong sense of meaning and mastery and mattering to many others, right? A sense of purpose. Whereas suffering, I feel like, is kind of in a valley of ill-being, right? Um, You're a little despondent. You're worthless. You feel drained. Um, And I do see that as a full spectrum, and we're all kind of somewhere along there, and we we pivot back and forth many times a day. Uh, but languishing, I, I love this this kind of concept that it's kind of a neglected middle child of mental health. 
it's this kind of void between um, powerful and suffering, a void between depression and flourishing is another way to look at it. Um, it's kind of just like an absence of well-being. It's not like there's much wrong with us, but we're not our well, true selves, right? Um, you know, if we're not really functioning at full capacity, then we're missing out on a lot. And sitting in this kind of languishing state, really, I do find dulls motivation. It disrupts our ability to focus. And it really increases increases the odds that we're going to kind of cut back on our work and our actions and won't be taking action from a powerful state. And, um, you know, I do think in some ways this is a pretty big risk, you know, for all of our mental illnesses. Um, it's, it's really cool. This term was actually coined by a sociologist named uh, Corey Keyes, um, who was really struck that many people who weren't depressed, but also weren't thriving, right? And again, he did a bunch of research on this, and it shows that people, you know, the people most likely to experience major depression and anxiety disorders in the next decade aren't the ones with those symptoms today. Um, you know, they're the people who are languishing right now. The people languishing right now are more likely to find themselves in the future dealing with depression and anxiety. Um, and there's a lot of new evidence from pandemic healthcare workers in Italy in particular that shows that, you know, those who were languishing in the spring of 2020, more than a year ago, uh, were three times more likely than their peers to be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. I think that's where, um, you know, Corey Keyes kind of comes up with that conclusion. So again, part of the danger is that when you're languishing, you might not notice the dulling or delight or dwindling of your drive, right? Um, you don't catch yourself slipping slowly into solitude. Uh, you might be indifferent to your indifference, right? Uh, when you can't see your own suffering, you don't really seek help or even do much to help yourself. And even if you're not languishing, you probably do know people who are. And understanding it is better, you know, in understanding it, you can better, you know, help everybody around you, if not yourself also. You know, one of the uh, best strategies that psychologists are finding for managing emotions is to name them. That's why I love that concept. You got to name it to tame it. That's something that we train um, our staff and um, I have great managers and supervisors that have, have really brought that to forefront. And it's a big part of, you know, our company culture is name it to tame it. Um, you know, last spring, during this kind of early anguish of, of the pandemic, one of the most viral posts in the history of the Harvard Business Review was this article describing our collective discomfort with the pandemic as grief, right? And again, this makes really sense. It gave us a familiar vocabulary to understand what it felt like in this kind of unfamiliar experience. Um, you know, we hadn't faced a pandemic before, but most of us had faced loss. So again, it helped us to crystallize the lessons from, you know, our own past resilience. And we actually could get a little confidence that we were, you know, had the ability to face this kind of present adversity. And, you know, we still have a lot to learn about what causes languishing and how to cure it. But again, I, I really like this concept that naming it is the first step. We got to name it to tame it. Um, this could really help defog our lens, um, you know, give us a clear window into what had been a blurred experience over this past year. And it can remind us, you know, that we're not alone. 
Um, languishing is common and it's shared. And that's a huge concept that I like to teach about self-compassion. Um, you know, just telling yourself you're not alone in this. Um, put your hand on your heart like this is okay. What you're feeling is okay. We're not alone. Um, don't carry this into shame. Um, there's there's a way out and let's just sit with that and, and learn what we can do, right? Um, you know, it could actually, you know, I love this concept too. It can really give us an acceptable response to how are you? You know, instead of saying, oh, I'm great, I'm fine. What if everybody answered like, hey, actually I'm, I'm languishing. Um, it'd be really refreshing and it's kind of a good, you know, break apart from this toxic positivity, you know, this American pressure to be upbeat at all times. And, um, you know, Adam Grant writes about a lot of this. This is where I'm getting a lot of this information. You know, you can add, if you add languishing to your lexicon, uh, you start to notice it all around you, right? Once you start naming it and working to tame it yourself, you just see it everywhere, right? It shows up when you feel let down by, you know, some, some walk you did, you know, it's in other people's voices when you ask how their day went, um, you know, if for those of my generation that really like The Simpsons, every time the character says, meh, M-E-H, that was actually a word made up by a writer, a staff writer of The Simpsons that ended up in the dictionary, and, and that's just like a great collective, meh, I don't know, not great, not bad. So, you know, what do we do about languishing? Um, you know, one concept here, again, that Adam Grant, Grant introduces is this concept called flow. Um, and I do really agree that that is an antidote to languishing. When I look at my story and how I kind of took myself through early days of the pandemic, I was in flow nearly daily and it really helped, um, keep me going and, and help me stay powerful and show up as the best version of myself. Flow is really just that state of absorption and a meaningful challenge. Um, you know, where your sense of time, place and self really melts away. Like you are just wholly focused on a task, Right. Um, and again, during the early days of the pandemic, the best predictor of one's well-being wasn't really optimism or mindfulness. It really was flow. People who became more immersed in their projects somehow managed to avoid languishing and maintain their pre-pandemic happiness. And, you know, finding new challenges and enjoyable experiences and meaningful work are all possible remedies to languishing. Um, it's really hard to find flow when you can't focus right? And this was a problem long before the pandemic, but when people were habitually checking emails a hundred times a day and switching their tasks every 10 minutes, um, that's not conducive to flow. Um, you know, many of us, I think, have been struggling with interruptions, myself including, from having, you know, working at home for a long time, having the kids and family at home and, um, you know, Zoom calling all your colleagues and bosses just everywhere else but here, you know, um, all those distractions interrupted the flow. But when we can, you know, set time aside and really connect with flow and make time for flow, that really allows us to connect with, I believe, a deeper sense and purpose and helps us get out of this languishing state, right? Because, you know, divided attention is really, an, you know, an enemy to engagement and excellence and thriving, um, you know, we're not, not really made to be doing a lot of things at the same time. You know, there's a couple people that can maybe memorize information and, and while they're driving at the same time, but not, not many, you know, multitasking doesn't quite work. Um, 
more so multi-focusing, right? You can multitask, you can drive and listen to music that's too tasking, but can you really focus on both wholly at the same time? Um, and I think, again, the key here to helping to deal with languishing is giving yourself this, these periods of uninterrupted time, right? We need to set boundaries. Uh, we need to block, time block times when we're going to act without distraction, um, there are some incredible high performers out there that use this concept of flow to <laughs> create more in a day than they would in a week. And they do this by really removing all distractions, right? To get into flow, you need to get your phone out of the room, flip it over, turn it on silent, airplane mode. Uh, it's really helpful to just put on some headphones, play some music. Ideally, it's, it's either like... Um, uh, flow state based music that you can you know google up on youtube or even better if it's music you know and like but it's a playlist you've always listened to um, when it's new music it tends to be distracting uh, there's all kinds i really like if you're into spotify there's a a, a channel i like lo-fi beats i listen to that and flow all the time just very mellow i've listened to it enough that i can put it on and i'm not focusing on it but just having those headphones keeps me wholly focused and gets rid of the distractions because in a normal workday, we waste a third of our time transitioning from one task to another. It is ridiculous. And I think we know this because when, you know, we are pressed with time and we have time constraints and deadlines, we surprise ourselves. We get so much more done when the situation demands it. Um, and I don't want to go on this whole tangent of where the eight-hour workday just doesn't work, but we end up just filling our eight hours, and we're not productive during the eight hours. And, and I'm not just talking like we're scrolling and doing non-work tasks. I'm talking like we are literally transitioning from one thing to the next. We're working on a project, but then an email pops in. Stop. Deal with the email. A phone call. A text comes in. A colleague walks in the office. Wait, stop what I'm doing. Yep, let's talk about this. Let's work on this. Okay, I got to wait. Where was I? It takes time to get back to where you were before. Um, and where you were before might have been flow. So let's let's kind of set some boundaries and, and make some interrupted time that we can do that. Um, you know, we really know that the most important factor in daily joy and motivation is this sense of progress. So we need to be setting up time to be able to do that. Part of that is just focusing on a small goal right? The pandemic was a big loss. And if we want to get through languishing, try starting with, you know, connecting with the small wins, tiny little victories, and, you know, just take time to figure that stuff out, right? And connect with that, write it down, celebrate those small victories. Um, again, one of the clearest paths to flow is kind of a challenge that stretches your skill and heightens your resolve, right? We need to be accessing a creative side of ourselves. And that means, to do this, we have to carve out time every day, block it out in the schedules on the calendars to focus on a challenge that really matters to you. Um, creative endeavor time, it's something that's important but not necessarily urgent. Maybe an interesting project, a worthwhile goal, or just a meaningful conversation with somebody that you've been meaning to have. Sometimes it's just a small step toward kind of rediscovering some of this energy and enthusiasm that you've missed during all these months. Um, and, you know, let's realize that languishing is not really just in our heads. It's really in our circumstances. Uh, you can't heal a sick culture with personal bandages, right? Uh, we still live in a world that normalizes physical health challenges, but really stigmatizes mental health challenges. 
And as we head into a new post-pandemic reality, we kind of should be rethinking our understanding of mental health and well-being. Um, not depressed doesn't mean you're not struggling. Not burned out doesn't mean you're fired up. <laughs> um, by acknowledging that so many of us are languishing, we can actually start giving voice to this kind of quiet despair and <clears throat> lighting a path out of the void. And I really feel it's what we all need to do. Um, we need to pull ourselves out and then we will pull everybody else around us just by doing that. So again, see how you can add languishing into your vocabulary, um, bring it into your world, bring it into your lexicon <laughs> and, um, see what happens. See how you start to notice that. And if you find yourself there, what creative projects can you start working on and how can you design your day for flow? So much great resource and access on flow. And maybe I'll do the next episode on flow and give some more tips about how to get in flow. I think it's a huge, huge, huge tool for a really clear work-life mindset. So that's what I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you all have a beautiful week and we'll see you next week.